Looking for work? Better pay? Better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville, Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. Big thanks to Brian Bender from The Athletic for joining us. Jeff Greer going to do so uh, at 430 as well. Dave, today is the 40th anniversary of a, uh, a very well-known sports uh, event in the history of our country, I would like to play for you a the very, very easily identifiable last minute of that, uh, if that's okay with you. Okay. Let's hear it. The Miracle on Ice, Dave, 40 years mm-hmm. ago, uh, amazingly. I have to say, you know I'm a complete and total junkie for play-by-play calls, radio calls, that sort of thing. I, everything about that call is perfect. Isn't it 43 years ago today? It's 1980. Oh, yeah. For, excuse me, 43 years right. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. Math. No. math, right? Math be mathing, man. But the... An incre- like that's as good of a call as it gets. It's I cannot envision a play-by-play call that that could sound more perfect than that one. The countdown, so that you kind of feel it as it's happening, but then you can also hear the crowd counting down, and you get the color guy who, like an idiot, screams out, "It's over!" with two seconds left when it's not over. Be quiet, over. color guy. Color guy, gotta realize I need this. This is like an epidemic of things. You got to realize you get to talk after the guy tells us what happened. That's right. Over the top of the guy telling us what's happening. But Al Michaels, I, I would, I will never know the truth. But I'd love to know if that was totally spontaneous, or if he was like, if they pull this off, what am I going to say? Because people are going to want to hear this. Right. But it's hard to like. It's very, very difficult to imagine anything beating that. No, it's 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 iconic. the all time iconic call. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's 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 hard to beat that. Um, I think it chills every time you hear it. 
you know, you know, I know it's coming. You know, you do you believe in miracles? Yes, like right at the end, it's just awesome. Love it. Pretty good movie too. Oh, the the movie Miracle is a it's on Disney Plus. Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. He does a phenomenal, spectacular. Job. Yeah, I mean it's a really good movie. It's a I, I'm not a huge fan of like kind of cornball like pregame speeches and stuff like that. But like, and it's really easy to Disneyfy, you know, like those type yeah. of movies. Like Secretariat, I love watching the the Belmont scene. But like that movie overall got super Disneyfied for me. But the way they recreated the 34 length victory is incredible you know but yep. uh kurt russell is phenomenal in miracle is her brooks like I, I love i'll watch it anytime all right so we we were having a little bit of the discussion with brian bennett and you had, had said you wanted to kind of come back to this it has been not a great pair of years for the acc yeah uh, at all except for the tournament itself which was actually was was wonderful but that doesn't carry forward uh, at all it's a new year and we've got the ACC is not as good as it typically is. There aren't multiple teams that I think you feel like I could see them, you know, cutting down the nets. There's maybe one, maybe one. I'm not sure I'm a huge believer in everybody uh, or anybody. But you said you had an additional thought that you wanted well, to just, okay, throw out uh, there. In, and we talk about a lot. With, Wes Durham was the one who said that he was – yeah. more worried about the future of basketball yep. than football in the ACC. And I agreed with him at the time because it seemed like, you know, we just take for granted Krzyzewski and, and, you know, North Carolina and Roy Williams. Like, we just kind of take for, for granted what Duke and, and UNC bring to the table. But everybody can fumble a hire, and, and, and everybody can, can have a, a rough transition period. And the ACC, it's, it's, it's just at a weird time right now where – Obviously, Duke and North Carolina are the bell, bellwether programs. Neither of them are like Duke's going to be like an eight seed or a seven seed this year. North Carolina's probably going to miss the tournament. And then you kind of combine that with Louisville is, is inarguably the third most prestigious program in the ACC, even though they're a, a late, you know, arriving member. And Louisville has had a terrible run and obviously in the, in the nadir of their program and of our program's history right now. Combine that with Florida State's been really good recently. In the last couple of years, they've been bad. Like, they've fallen off the cliff. Like, it's just a timing where everybody's kind of bad at the same time, and it's not good for for the ACC in general because where you've got – when Virginia's decent, it's great when they're amongst other peer teams. Like, the ACC looks great when it's, a, it's Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, and, like, a Louisville – all at the top or a Florida State all competing for like top three seed lines right now it's Virginia alone they can't carry a conference and then like Miami is pretty good it's just there's no real national championship threats and it's all happening at the same time like it's just it's awful timing really and what you've got is a bunch of teams like it's it's just the ACC without their top programs doesn't look very good I mean you've got a bunch of bubble type teams or seven eight nine line teams or like Pitt's having a, a nice season nc state looks okay but it doesn't matter when they're like instead of being the the seventh eighth ninth best teams in this league they might be like the third fourth fifth best teams in the league that's not a good look for the conference it's a dangerous time really well yeah i think the acc like in the short term for lazy people the wrong <laughs> teams haven't been good right right 
you know, the, the or the wrong teams are have been good. Same thing. It works kind of in both directions. They're used to specific names. They're not there. It really does kind of – and football is not the same as basketball, but it really is kind of amazing every freaking year how good Alabama is and how hard that is to do. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Uh, how so people get used to certain names at the top of a league and, and associate the whole league with that name and when they're not there league must not be any good but i do think they're not that great this year this was it like that's part of it this one this year it's fair yeah that's part of it on a regular basis yeah but this year i mean there's nobody's replaced them that's the problem is that unc and duke and louisville and whoever like Florida state they're not on the top of the league but nobody else is as good as Louisville, or not Louisville, like North Carolina and Duke normally are. We'll leave Louisville out of the conversation because we've been not there for the last couple of years. But nobody else is filling that void right now. They're not filling that vacuum. It's not that it's just another name team. Nobody has filled that vacuum this year. Like It's just Virginia, Miami, and then like a handful of teams that are having a nice season. And they're tournament teams, and they're not bad teams. But on a normal ACC year, they'd be like the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth best teams in this league, right, Mark? But like this year, yeah. they're like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth best teams in the league, and that's not great. And I, I like honestly, long term, whatever the long term is for ACC basketball, for ACC in general, Louisville, Duke, North Carolina will be back. I don't know when, but those are three programs that aren't going to stand losing for a long extended period of time this is not going to be pit where they uh, deal with four years of mediocrity or worse and still bring jeff cable back for a fifth year and oh my god he finally figured it out uh that's not how it's going to be like i have faith that there's a lot of programs that prioritize basketball and they'll be back but i don't know when I don't know how long it's going to take, and there is an existential threat when you talk about like the amount of money that the SEC and the Big Ten bring in and reinvest in basketball and other sports. You know, like they, they Mike's life pushed the SEC to invest intentionally in basketball about a decade ago, and it worked. Yeah. You know, they they committed the money. They, they've, they've hired better coaches, they've built better facilities, and they've recruited much better players. And at some point, the ACC's going to have to kick back at that. Um, but like that, that's these conferences are, are not going away. I mean, they're they're unfortunately the SEC is now a, a top tier basketball conference. The ACC has to compete with directly. I think that part of it, and this is where I think the SEC has had an advantage on the football side is the feeling it's not it's hard to like, it's not captured in kind of advanced stats or anything but like you know when you watch the cbs 330 sec game which is no more but like it's going to be a great environment it might be a weird game but like the just the production quality the crowd you still feel like tension and every you know and it, you're glad you watched it and it pulled you in and the acc doesn't have environments in every place that do that to you like cameron obviously in north carolina louisville when they're any good you know it's like that in virginia now Virginia's good yeah but the the majority of acc gyms don't do that for you the same way where like in years where say miami is like this year is really good you know pretty good team top 25 team you know whatever they do in the tournament wouldn't shock me but like i watch their games i'm not like drawn in by the 
the pageantry of the whole thing. Well, now Miami, I just man, same thing with football. Like they, they're they're students. It's not a normal college sports experience. That's true. It's just not. You know, they're I, they're not as engaged. You know, it's not an on camp. Generally, not on campus facilities, and just I. I don't know. I never get in. I never feel like I'm watching like real college sports when I watch Miami. <laughs> it feels like a different experience. Like they, their football program, for as prestigious as it is and as much cachet as it has, like it just doesn't have the same types of traditions as other ones. It's fine. You can be non traditional, but when they're bad, they're the empty stadium, or at least not very full, you know, and, 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 it's easy for Miami fans to get distracted by shiny things in, in that city. Since you mentioned uh, Miami very quickly, uh, someone did capture last night in their loss to or their win over Virginia Tech. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, Virginia Tech has a partnership with Smithfield. The uh, they you know bacon and meats. And oh, I, you, I don't think you like. I, I feel like. Of all the things you need to clarify with me on this radio station, it's not Smithfield. Like you, I, I understand. It's not for you, though. I, I, it doesn't matter. I feel like I needed to interject there. Well, <laughs> for anyone who's listening to protect Dave's honor or whatever, I was not saying Don't that say, or whatever. Because, because I thought Dave didn't know. I knew Dave knew. This I have, a, I have a detailed power ranking of all the bacon in America. And you're <laughs> what, what, they, you know, they have the giveaway. If someone misses both free throws at the free throw, line everyone gets i think two free pieces of bacon and so it kind of gives their their crowd a chance to be like ridiculous even you know win or lose they go nuts when it happens and that's why the other day when there was somebody tweeted that funny picture the student section kind of going crazy there was two people dressed like full-size pieces of bacon (laughs) that's why the captured on screen six and one all time this was on the bottom with the score dave Virginia Tech six and one all time when fans win bacon. <laughs> okay, so they've got let a, me get this. That's the person tracking this. That's absolutely incredible. But let's 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 go over this. If a player misses for the, for the both other team free throws, yeah, obviously the other goes team. to the line for two misses them both. misses them both. They get two free pieces of bacon. Correct. So they're the, the bacon is cooked and available at the arena. Uh, I don't know how the uh, the delivery goes. I don't know. Because that. you can't just go buy two pieces of bacon at the store. <laughs> I'm not aware of anywhere that sells bacon by the slice. I, okay, well, now let me clarify. I did see some sort of enterprising company was selling what amounts to a thick-cut slice of bacon in a package Okay. at gas stations. And they were charging something like $3 and whatever cents for a slice of bacon. And I just was so dumbfounded by it and just really offended by the entire project. Uh, and not like a month and a half later, every single one of those slices of bacon was on clearance for like less than a dollar. Because <laughs> nobody wanted them. Charging me like $5 for a slice of bacon. Yeah, I don't think I want that. Nobody wants it. Well, I mean, I, it depends on the situation. I'm, I'm like, I'm like scoffing at it, but you put me in like an arena and that seems completely uh, reasonable. <laughs> Eighty-one fifty ninety-three That's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. But like, bottom line, I hope they're frying up a bunch of bacon <laughs> in, in, in like, anticipation or like they, just having it ready. They're, yeah, they're selling bacon at one of the stands there or something like. There's a lot of implications there. It's not like they're giving away a pound of bacon where you could buy it raw. Like it, 
if you're giving away two slices of bacon, it has to be somewhere where they're distributing bacon in that arena. I just love that they put that graphic up there. That's an amazing graphic. <laughs> Six and one, one giving away complimentary bacon. <laughs> I did uh, uh, want to quickly uh, mention, was glad to see Nate Oates come out and issue sort of the subsequent statement. Look, it's better to not do the dumb stuff. But he did it. I didn't see his subsequent statement. Yeah, he released a subsequent statement last night basically saying, what I said was was unfortunate. I don't want anyone to take it like I was trying to make light of what happened. Uh, that sort of thing. He, you know, after the fact, at least, uh, somebody got to him and was like, hey, we got to put something together uh, after what he said uh, yesterday. And then Brandon Miller's uh, attorney has uh, released a statement here just within the last few minutes, within the last 10, 15 minutes basically about what Brandon Miller's role in this is. There's been a lot of people, and I guess I'll include myself, Dave, who've wondered how it is that he his level of involvement in this doesn't warrant anything, right? We're talking about a murder. Yeah. And him bringing someone else's gun back to them and, them, and that gun being used in that murder that night. Uh, it, I've I've been I've not totally understood what the explanation is for why that might or might not be true, but there've been a lot of people who have just freaked. I mean, Clay Trey, he should never play again. All this we don't know, we don't know what happened there. Just because NATO said dumb stuff yesterday doesn't mean it's as bad as you want it to be uh, with what happened uh, there. But he at least is any. I know you haven't had a chance much of a chance to sound off on any of that, but a thought or two on that. I do think that first blush it looks awful, awful. And if the if the perception, like just NATO's comments aside, if the timeline of events is is right, and like he, if Miller provided the gun, was asked to bring the gun, provided the gun, and then blocked access to an area with his car, I can't imagine. Like it blows my mind that he's not able to be charged with a crime in Alabama. But I also don't see how Alabama's hands aren't tied. They could issue some kind of disciplinary. Like I, I think it's wild that they're both playing tonight. Personally, um, I want to know when Nate Oates knew everything because, like, on the surface, like he said, he knew certain facts at a certain time. I'd love clarification on that because it just it seems unconscionable to play these guys when they're in the middle of a murder investigation with these facts, like with with the purported facts of the case out there. Uh, Nate Oates' initial statement was really, 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 really bad. <laughs> it was really bad. And it's tough to walk that back. I mean, I'm not out for blood. I, I care less about his statement than I do about when he knew what and why Alabama isn't holding these players out right now. Like, it's not – the standard isn't, well, they haven't been charged with a crime. That's not the standard for holding them out of play. Like, I think there's enough questions around that that I just – I don't know. It, it It's so much bigger than basketball that it, it – if there's even a, a whiff of this being true, like it's not with the, the 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 culture around gun violence and the conversations being had, just because he may not reach the level of prosecution in Alabama, or if they might decide not to prosecute these kids, does not matter. If the facts, like if he really did bring the gun and give the gun to somebody to commit the crime, and then purportedly might have blocked the exit. Or blocked the street or something like that like th- these are all questions that need to be answered and don't like, you don't have to play this guy 
Just yeah. because he's not being charged. Like, it, you can do the right... Like, the right thing is to, leave, to pull him. Like, I, I, if this kind of investigation is hanging over the head of the program, like, it's just... It does... It's not right to me. Like, it, it's, one of the things I've never liked about any situation, be it uh, this or some of you who or, you know, were immediately uh, taking to the, the text line or to social media and saying, well, we should hire Chris Beard or whatever, is like, I, I just want this for sports reasons, and I'm going to do whatever I – I'm going to do the maximum that anyone won't give me any crap for yeah. uh, at any time. And I've never liked that approach. You know, like we don't, we don't have to, like, debase ourselves basically – and act like this is some sort of sports impediment and not a horrible thing that happened. Right. Like, this is so much bigger than a, a basketball game. Like, it, it's – if the the optics are true, it's a terrible look for everybody. Like, he should by all rights be in jail. He would be charged in lots of other states with just the information that we think we have right now. Like, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but these are the things that that are out there. Um, I just it it blows my mind that you feel like it's okay to be like, well, he's not being charged with a crime, so you know, let's go business as usual. Well, <laughs> it would it would be Dave. It would be a different a different thing if they were like reinstating them now that we were sort of out of this, right? Like if it was like, okay, we know what happened, yeah, and, and Brandon has talked to the police, and yeah, he took. He went back and tried to pick up Darius Miles, and Darius and his stuff was in the back seat, including a gun, and that gun was used. Brandon didn't know about any of this. Like, if he had been held out and then brought back with all that explanation, I don't think anyone says a word because you did something. You're like, man, you know, we don't have to put on the Alabama uniform while we wait for this to play out. Like, we can, we can err on a side of sort of not sending a terrible message, maybe. Sure. Which no, it seems like no one ever does. Uh, and, and then when you put it back, like no one could say a word because you were cautious with it. Like I, I don't know why more places don't opt for that. Yeah, instead it looks like you've, you've put winning over everything, including a young woman who lost her life in this situation. Like it's it's like again, I'm I'm not calling for blood. I'm not. I'm not even sure he did anything wrong. Wrong. I don't I'm know, just, but I'm saying like it's. It feels like the, the the timeline, I'd love some clarity because it seems like at the very least he was a person of interest or at least involved in there and it was just kind of shuffled aside, you know, and, and, and not dealt with at all. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, I don't like the way it's been been handled. You know, I, I, I don't want to pretend like I know all the facts of the case these are the these are the things that have been told to the public at this point um but it's messy and nato's made it worse with his initial comments uh we did have a texture who asked uh, what's uh what the story is with the baseball game the game is on 970 uh it was moved up to try to avoid any kind of bad weather that might be uh might keep the game from getting played they are in the bottom of the sixth right now uh, and Louisville is down six to four uh, to Xavier uh, with two outs, but they've got a man on third. Uh, so you got two outs, man on third. Louisville down six to four. So the time runs at the plate uh, down two, uh, six to four to Xavier right now. Uh, Louisville three and zero. Xavier zero and four right now. So that'd be kind of a crummy midweek loss. Uh, but 
early in the season, I think you sort of have some growing pains. Uh, yeah, Xavier's not a bad program either. They just it's uh you don't jump off the bridge over a uh, a midseason loss at any point this season, but especially not not early year. Midseason uh, or mid midweek games are weird. Um, but there was Ryan McCoy and Eddie King did have back to back solo home runs earlier in this in the game. I think it was Eddie King's first of his career. Um, so yeah, hopefully they can they can pull it out of here. But but again, like midweek losses, not uncommon. Lamar knocked off. Was it Texas? Yeah, there were several. Yeah, yesterday. Um, yeah. And somebody Mississippi else State ranked, lost to uh, Louisiana Monroe yesterday. There you so. go. And and I think there was one more that I'm I'm blank. Vanderbilt Miss Vanderbilt or, lost. Yeah, a, Andy, I think yeah, Vanderbilt right. lost either Middle Tennessee or Austin P. Some other yeah. in state in, t- in state schools. So it happens all the time, especially early in the in the week or sorry, early in the year. And these midweek games are just super weird because you're, well, you're you're putting together like a patched up staff, and you're usually using like an all reliever staff or a, a freshman starter or something like that. Yeah. Well, Louisville, by the way, just blooped in another run. So uh, a uh, sliding double that's on 6-5 now. So you got there two you go. outs and you got a man on second, Louisville on 6-5 uh, in that one. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. Well, go ahead. Real quick, mm-hmm. before we take the break, because I don't want to derail us later, did you see the picture I sent you of the women's national team coach? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Though. Like that angle especially. Like if you look at, if you look at him head on, like he looks a little bit. Like Tim Robinson, uh, it's a uh, Vlatko Andonovsky is his name. He's the women's national team coach. But from the side, the profile for anybody who doesn't know, like we talk about, I think you should leave the Tim Robinson oh, yeah. uh, sketch show on this on this program quite often. Uh, <laughs> from the side angle, they threw on the ridiculous hat from Tim Robinson's sketch on him. He looks exactly like Tim Robinson. Dead ringer, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> It really is. <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing. I also uh, saw we got the uh, the Alabama statement. Uh, the, we'll, we'll take a, I'll take a break. We'll take a break. I don't okay. want to get too far away. Here. We'll come back. Jeff Greer. We'll check in. Uh, talk some basketball uh, with him on the other side here. All right. On the drive when I find the ball. Okay, bye. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. We'll go back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. Happy to be joined now by Jeff Greer. Uh, for now, uh, at least. It still has uh, one of the best uh, newsletters out there for Louisville basketball. It does a great job with the podcast, Floyd Street's Finest, and he joins us here. Jeff, how is everything going, buddy? You doing all right? I'm doing great, fellas. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. Hey, really quickly, you want to uh, stick up for Jeff Cable for 
cracking on the ACC network and saying that they're uh, they're holding him down or what? Uh, I don't. My whole thing has always been that when coaches are politicking about like selection committee stuff, anything even remotely related to it, I get super annoyed. Um, but because it's Ted, I'm willing to allow it, so it's fine. No, that's fair. I appreciate that. I respect that uh, that, that position. There. <laughs> hey, Jeff, we we started out uh, the show here just talking about you know, playing around with numbers and like goofing off on Mark Torvik's website and stuff like that. That if you just look at February, that Louisville's still pretty bad defensively, but has managed to move to to pretty good offensively uh, in terms of their efficiency and stuff. Like in like 80th, which is the top 25 percent in the country. That part at least has improved. If you had to sort of lay out why does Louisville seem better offensively, where do you think that the biggest things have changed that have led to the improvement that we've seen at least in February? Well, I, I realize that this is a very simple, uh, pretty pretty comical uh, answer, but uh, the biggest thing is they're making shots, uh, which, you know, like I, I talked to a, a coach um uh, who follows college basketball very closely um, and, and works in it uh, the other day, and he said, you know, some of the shots that they are making, one, they weren't making uh, earlier in the year, and two, they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily better shot selection. They're just going in now. Um, so I don't know if that's a little bit more confidence with which they're uh, they're shooting them, but uh, but I do think that, you know, once you see a couple shots go in, it's such a cliche, but it is true that you tend to feel more confident. And I think Louisville is playing with more confidence uh, right now than they than they have been really at all for most of the season. And you go back to really the only game prior to these last couple uh, wins where Louisville looked confident, and that was the Western Kentucky game. And what did they do in that game? They made a whole bunch of shots, and they just played their butts off because they kept making shots. So. It's simple. Um, I think LL is playing as well as he has. Um, you know, it's even better than it was earlier in the season. Uh, that certainly has to help. And then, you know, you throw in uh, having a guy like JJ Trainer playing really well. And there's a lot of things going better for Louisville. Um, but at the end of the day, again, I just go back to they're making more of the shots that, quite frankly, they, you know, in addition to losing their possessions from turnovers a lot. Um, they were missing a lot of tough shots, and now they're getting some of those shots to fall and staying in games longer. And, and as we saw with Clemson, even uh, finding ways to pull away uh, at least <laughs> at least once uh, this season. Hey Jeff, on the flip side, uh, that we uh, they're they're not hardly any better defensively at all uh, on, by almost any metric whatsoever. And I've been most surprised out of all the struggles by the defensive struggle because it seems like that's where he would have been most uh, equipped to sort of hit the ground running you know, in terms of a pedigree as, a, as an assistant coach. And that's the buy-in piece is sort of energetic effort on defense, and it really hasn't gotten that much better. Why, how surprised are you that Louisville has not been – well, Louisville's been bad defensively and that it really hasn't changed kind of throughout the year? Well, uh, very surprised, I guess, first, um, based on where I was in my thought process, you know, 11 months ago. Uh, and I'm the same as you, where I kind of thought, you know, you're bringing in a coach who 
Um, if nothing else, you know, Kentucky's defense, especially at the height of the John Calipari years, uh, was built around really super athletic shot blockers, length, just guys who cause all kinds of problems for other teams trying to score. And, um, you know, even, even with Louisville's roster built the way it was, which was obviously uh, not very well, um, I think there was just kind of a thought, at least if nothing else, they'll be able to shrink the court and, and do a lot of things defensively to be at least disruptive. They may not always block a ton of shots. They might not um, be even remotely a suffocating defense, but they might be a difficult defense at times uh, just because of their length and athleticism. And I think that thought process for me was flawed because I wasn't taking into account the ability to coach uh, that type of stuff and the ability to learn that type of stuff. And I, you know, I'm not in in practice every day and not in those training sessions, but you know, something that uh, I remember really soaking in and, and, and understanding a lot better from all the practices that, that Chris Mack had people in for is you sit there and you watch the coaches coach, but you can also watch players process stuff. And so that you have to account for a 19-year-old or, you know, 21, doesn't matter how old they are, how far along they are in their careers, you have to account for some players who might not, it just might not calculate for them. So you could tell a guy 20 times, when you do X, Y, and Z, do, do A, and then you practice it a bunch, and then in the game they do C instead of A. Um, and that's something that I just think we all have to think about in terms of, uh, of thinking when, when we're talking about this team that they may not be processing stuff. And maybe it's not being coached well, maybe it's not being communicated well, and maybe it's not being processed well. It could be all of those factors. Um, but we've arrived here at this point now where – nothing really seems to have worked defensively, and, and I think you just have to try to scrap it all and, and start over in the offseason. When it comes to the offseason, I know that Kenny kind of sounded like he was already there uh, with this group, <laughs> you know, at the coaches' show a couple of weeks ago, and you do kind of get this feeling like, you know, that not that they've quit or anything like that, but that you sort of as soon as this is over, I really want to get down to the business of sort of reshaping this roster ASAP. Like, how quickly – do you think we will start hearing and seeing new names that, that like, cause I would imagine they're already working on this sort of thing now. How quickly after this season's over with however long they last in Greensboro, do you think we start hearing about guys that are coming in? If even then, like maybe we'll hear them before. I don't know. Well, coming in will be different. Uh, going out, I think, will probably be the first steps, and I would imagine that will be very quickly. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think – I know we've talked about this before, and, and I'm sure anyone who is listening to your show will know this, but um, it's kind of the unspoken, unwritten uh, rule of college sports that, uh, you know, some people call it tampering, other people just call it recruiting. Uh, a lot of the work has already been done um, for trying to get in position uh, for when guys hit the portal. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, and, and I'll never forget learning this um, uh, when I was very closely following uh, recruiting stuff and transfers is like the recruiting process for, for guys hitting the transfer portal. I think the public sort of is like, oh, we hit the portal. 
now is that now is when the recruiting starts and it's like well actually they spent a lot of time getting in position of trying to figure out you know who's available who's you know who might be looking for what uh you get in touch with uh, people in in the inner circle long before uh, anything like uh, a name hitting the transfer portal. So you would hope that, and you would think that Louisville has already done uh, that work like a lot of other people have, and it's definitely going to ramp up here in the next month. And then once the ACC tournament ends, I would think we'll see some departures. We'll see some guys. I'm obviously most curious about L. Ellis, what he decides to do. Um, I continue to assume, because I haven't heard otherwise, that, that he would want to pursue a professional career, which was his plan before the season. Um, and then the dominoes just kind of start falling from there. So uh, it'll happen fast. Um, and, and again, I don't think Louisville is going to completely find 13 new players, um, but I do think that we're probably going to be watching a Louisville squad that you know, is looking at uh, at least a handful of new guys in addition to the to the college signings that, or the high school signings and JUCO signings that they already have on board. Jeff, uh, we've been talking a lot about kind of the the current state of the ACC uh, between this year and last year, and obviously last year there was a nice postseason run. But what's your read on the on the current status and the future of the conference? With like obviously teams like like your beloved Pitt are having a decent year, but. Normally, those would be like the sixth, seventh, eighth best teams in the conference, and this year they're like the third, fourth, and fifth best teams in the conference with some of the traditional powers kind of kind of struggling. So I don't know what what's your read on the current status and the future of the of the ACC. Uh, I, I always go back to coaching and making good coaching hires. Uh, I think that's increasingly important is your ability to reshape a roster quickly, your ability to maintain a roster if you're there. Um, your ability to be innovative with what you're teaching and coaching uh, and doing publicly or in recruiting, um, you've got to kind of have at least a couple of those attributes um, and be good at them uh, and then figure out ways to, to pick up uh, where your weaknesses lie. And I think it's similar to football where you say, you know, ACC football at its peak, you would think would, would be like Clemson, Florida State would be really good. Uh, Virginia Tech and Miami would be good, just historically strong programs. Uh, and then you, you know, then you get the Pitts and the Louisvilles and and the UNCs and and the NC States and those programs. But you would think that that those other ones would be powerhouses every year, and that obviously has not been the case for some time. And I think a lot of that is because they've made bad coaching hires. Um, you go into into college basketball, and like, I mean, NC UNC has fallen apart this year, but. For the ACC to be the quote-unquote ACC in terms of reputation and brand, UNC and Duke both have to be good. And UNC and Duke are not good right now. Duke's Duke's solid. Duke's solid and and will be, you know, somewhere in that middle single-digit seed area by the end of the season and have a ton of talent and, you know, maybe make a run, maybe not. UNC is a disaster. Uh, Louisville is kind of the renegade uh, the renegade powerhouse in terms of how the tobacco road folks view them in the ACC, but obviously historically Louisville would count in the category of, of the powerhouse programs, uh, and Louisville is, is uh, what four and twenty-three. So um, obviously that's not helping. And then you throw in some of the traditional programs that are usually like middle of the pack and solid. Syracuse, I, I 
I don't even know what to say about Syracuse. Virginia Tech is mostly not great this year. Um, they're average at best. Uh, so you, you just keep running down that. Notre Dame is a disaster. Florida State. Yeah, Florida State. And so some of those are coaches who maybe are starting to kind of lose their grip a little bit when you talk about Mike Bray or Leonard Hamilton. Um, and some of those are, are coaching hires that maybe haven't panned out very well. So um, I think it's all of those factors. Uh, and at the end of the day, you look at the Big 12, and, man, they've got a lot of really good coaches and coaching staffs who are having success at places like Kansas State and Iowa State that are solid programs, but I think are driven largely by having good hires running their programs. Would you recommend the Jeff Capel model of four years of bad basketball waiting for that fifth golden year where you could be a bubble team? No. Well, and they're not a bubble team. <laughs> I know they're, they're not. They're I'm just so giving you a hard good. time, Jeff. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> no, they like the thing about Pitt, the, the thing about that program and just in general, the way that that has played out is I think more than anything else, it's really hard for coaches at those sort of like middling programs to break out of that consistently. Um, and you've got to be really innovative. Now, Capel, I don't think is that. And, and while I have never complained about him previously, I've always thought he was the perfect coach for Pitt, and I've never said otherwise, both on Twitter or anywhere else. Um, but uh, I think for a guy like that, I'm obviously joking, but for a guy like that, you got to strike lightning in a bottle. And if you have a good year every few seasons, cool. It's kind of like Brad Brownell at Clemson. And I, I hate that I'm comparing those two programs because one of them was regularly winning or competing for Big East titles, uh, and the other one is just Clemson basketball. But, like, every few years, they're good. And you just have to find the right combination of guys. Um, and that's a lot harder than a place like Louisville, where you would say with the resources, the history, the tradition, the pros that they have produced, that Louisville should consistently just be good every year. We're talking with Jeff Greer here on the drive on Anthony. Well, Jeff, I'm I'm not sure if you've had a chance to look at it or not, but Matt Norlander went and hung out with Rick Pitino at Iona, uh, <laughs> and uh, Rick has uh, the proverbial set of laws lawsuits. He is he's not. I think he would probably not be untouchable by anybody who would be interested in perhaps hiring him. At a, it, it seems odd to me at a time where Roy Williams gets out of the game and Coach K gets out of the game and Jim Beheim sounds real tired. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches. It doesn't seem like it's much of an old man's game anymore. Rick Pitino seems shot out of a cannon. Uh, your your best guess on what he decides to do in terms of staying at Iona or giving it one more shot somewhere, and if so, where where feels like a good place for Rick Pitino to make one more run at the at the whole thing? Yeah, and I I, I don't I don't mean this to disparage the names of the of the guys you're just saying, Bayhams and Williams and, and Coach K and those guys. I don't think any of those dudes were on a treadmill at like four thirty in the morning every morning. Yeah. Um, I, Rick is just whether Unique. you love him or hate him or somewhere in between. That dude is just different than anybody else I have ever read about. Yep. Come across the only other person or maybe two people in terms of work ethic and just levels of detail and insanity uh, for their craft uh, that I can think of in terms of the coaching business are Bill Belichick and the old Urban Meyer stories about the dude like recruiting in church and like all that stuff. I mean, there's it's a very short list. So Rick, you know, I, I think he, I think this coaching thing is is who he is. It's like all he cares about, and 
um, uh, you know, we all have friends like that whose careers are just their lives, and and yeah. and that's what he is. So, the type of place that I think he works um, is a place that that really likes um, that that cares a lot about basketball. Um, that also is not going to be a place that is going to to clutch pearls. Um, whether or not he was exonerated, I think unfortunately for Rick in, in a lot of ways and, and again this is entirely on you based on your opinion of him if you hate him you think it's deserved if you love him maybe you think it's a little undeserved but no matter where he goes um, the last like six seven years are going to be attached to him so you've got to find an AD and a president and a school that say we're okay with with that because we feel like he's he's done his uh, done his proverbial time in the public eye and and uh, it is such a good coach that it's worth it. And if that's the case, I would think places like in Florida, New York, uh, somewhere in the Northeast would, would make a lot of sense for him. He did mention there's like 20 or 30 states he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't live in. Um, <laughs> 20 or 30, thought, roughly. <laughs> yeah, roughly, roughly somewhere in there, which is just a classic. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it immensely. I enjoyed that immensely. But um I don't know. I always come back to like Miami, but I don't know when Jim Laranaga is, is going to retire. I always come back to like St. John's, um, John's, although they're having a solid year. Just places like that. Uh, I think if Ed Cooley were to ever move on, I, I would think that Providence might uh, might give Rick Pitino a call, um, and he, I think, would take that job in a heartbeat. Um, but uh, you know, again, it just kind of goes back to it's got a, a lot of things have to align. Um, and, you know, from a pure basketball standpoint, guys, I mean, that would be fun, I think, to follow whatever he does next. I would, if I'm Georgetown, I'd make a beeline for Rick, for Rick Patina, but that's me. That's yeah, me. that's a school that I don't know if that would line up. I, it's I, the pearl I, clutching, I, I know. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. I mean, and I agree with you, and, and um, you know, that program, oh, man, they were so fun under John Thompson. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. those teams were so tough. And even JT3, I didn't like really watching them play, but they had some really good teams, too. Um, but yeah, Florida so Gulf Coast killed them. They just they never recovered from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty brutal. Um, but, uh, no, I think that would be an interesting one anywhere in the Big East, I think. Um, I, I just like to – I kind of chuckle to myself, and, and I think McDermott's a good coach at Creighton, but I always kind of yeah. laugh to myself, like, what if Rick Pitino is the coach at Creighton? Like, how many how many steakhouses are there in, in Omaha that he could rave about, you know, before he's just kind of like, All right, <laughs> I don't know what else there is to do here. Rick, I, I, Jeff, I've heard the stories about when they were – when Louisville was sort of a hair's breadth away from going to the Big 12, that, you know, he was – he was happy that Louisville kind of wasn't going to get screwed overall, uh, but that was not, would, was telling anyone who would listen. I'm not really all that thrilled about going to Waco and Stillwater, Manhattan, Kansas, Manhattan, the wrong Manhattan. Kansas. Yeah, he wasn't feeling any of that Big Twelve <laughs> stuff. Yeah, he's more of a Big Apple guy than a Little Apple guy. Right. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, and that's kind of that famous Beheim story about saying like. You know, talking about the Waffle Houses and Clemson and all that stuff. I yeah, mean, it's Greensboro has Denny's. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a different. Those guys are those guys are uh, cut from a different cloth. So I do agree. Whether or not it's Georgetown, I think the Big East makes a lot of sense for for Patino. Jeff, we appreciate it as always, man. Look forward to talking to you again here before uh, before the, this season wraps up. Uh, at least, buddy, appreciate it. All right, thanks, fellas. Talk to you soon. 
All right. Jeff Greer, Floyd Street's finest. Thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Good, good chat uh, with him. Good-natured ribbing about Pitt, which I think is entirely fine. Yeah. He he knows. He understands. He gets He hasn't been a Cable fan. <laughs> he uh, was I, kidding. <laughs> I think that there's uh, – there is, there's going to be interest in Rick Pitino now Yeah, uh, at, at some pretty major places. I would not be shocked at all if he's at a uh, a prime position here. And I just think Rick, he is totally unique. I've, I think I've said this to you before, but like you get, you say like, hey, you got, you have to win this game. You're literally, your life depends on it. I want Rick Pitino to be the coach. Yeah. 100 times out of 100. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's going to make a lot of people sad when he steps back into the limelight. <laughs> he's a coach in somebody else. Uh, there'll be a lot of uh, as long as it's not in the pain. ACC, as long yeah. as it's not like Georgia Tech or something. Even even anywhere would be it's going to be rough and having him back in major college basketball for a lot. But of if he's at like St. John's or whatever, like yeah, that'd be, be easier deal, than but. yeah. No, you're not wrong. Um, Got him at the Umsign. That'd be the worst. It really would be. A lot of uh, reports. I've been following the game on Matt McGavick's uh, Twitter feed, but the wind. The, the text lines helping us out here too the wind very beneficial for whoever is batting at that time right now over at Jim Patterson and they uh, give up a couple of solo home runs the top of the inning and I think we're at bat right now it's not gone great for Louisville baseball right now. That game, again, on 970 against Xavier. Uh, but they are – I think they're between innings uh, right now. Uh, but, yeah, Louisville uh, trailing in that one. And, again, has featured 100 home runs because the wind is blowing like crazy. I don't know. It was 8-5, to five and Logan Beard had a three-run home run. So, yeah. Maybe we're at it's a eight pitching to eight. Change. It's 8-8. Right. It's, yeah, it's 8-8. Eight eight. seven innings. So, they have seven recovered. Stretch. They have recovered. Uh, for, they've trailed for almost all of the game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is, look, I think there's going to be a lot of games like that for Louisville baseball this year. They've got bats while they try to figure out exactly what they want to do arms-wise. Uh, they got guys that they, I think they wanted to play last year who ended up having to register because of injuries and other yeah, issues. Eddie that King, are, big one. Yeah, big, big parts of the, of the lineup here. I think it's going to be a fun team to watch all year. Uh, it is. Uh, and there was some bright spots with the pitching over the weekend here and there. Um, but again, stress that it is a an early season midweek game. So you can't divine too much from this. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come right back. Take your college text throughout on the drive on Attendable. Better work environment, we can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers.